Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bringing you another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. I told y'all it was going to be a cast of guests all week, and we have another esteemed guest who is not new to the show, another one of my guys that comes way back from our days at the Technician, young Andrew Snicker, also known as Snitty. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's been a while. Thanks for having me. It really has. I didn't realize until we were. I was putting together the um, the the little background thing that we hadn't uh, done a show together in quite some time. So we got some catching up to do, man. There's been a lot going on yeah. in NC State sports. There's been some high rankings, some leaving, some coming, some going, all that good stuff. We're gonna get into all of it today. And I've been going unit by unit asking questions. So we're gonna ask the questions about what is arguably the most talented unit on this team, or what I think is not arguably the. But yeah, I think it's a good. Good by a good amount, the most talented unit on this team, the linebackers. That sound like a good episode to you? Sounds good to me, man. All right. Well, Wolfpack Nation, stick with us as we talk about all this and more on today's episode of Locked On Wolfpack. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Snitty, I just want to, I want to get into, directly into uh, this team, this NC State team. We've, I've talked about the high rankings at Najim and all that, but one thing that I keep hearing more and more and more, and everybody keeps talking about it, is that the Wolfpack should be on upset alert. Uh, for week one, heading down to Greenville or heading east to Greenville. Is that a game that you're worried about, that you're deeply like, if you're a state fan, you need to be concerned. This one may be a nail biter. Well, it's, you know, obviously on paper, like NC State should win that game. They're the better team. But the thing you have to always look at with that game is, number one, that's ECU Super Bowl. That they have that game simply means more to them than it does to NC State. Beating State or Carolina is a huge deal for them, um, and I think this is a pretty good ECU team. I believe it's year four for Mike Houston, the head coach there, who's done a really good job. They've got a lot of guys back. Um, I was actually at their media day last week that have been there for a while now. They've got Holt Naylor's back at quarterback. They've got some really good running backs, so. This is certainly not a game that NC State needs to take lightly. But I think they know that. I think they know how much this means to ECU. And, I mean, I think it means a lot to NC State, too. It's an in-state rivalry. You want to start the season off on the right foot. But, I mean, I I certainly could see this game being closer than some people expect. You know, maybe ECU hangs around for most of the game and NC State pulls away late. So I'm not going to sit here and say that NC State fans need to be like, petrified that they're going to go out and lose this game because they certainly should not, but it's, it's definitely not a game to take lightly. You know, when I played at NC state, Doran used to always talk about winning the state title, right? Because every year we were guaranteed to play at least two teams in the state, potentially more. We, we would have the boys and baby blue. We would have uh wake forest every year without fail. That was, that was a given. And so there was always talk of winning the state title. My true freshman year, we played ECU. Uh, don't know if we played ECU again while I was playing. But the reality is, you're right. This is like, you know, this is their the game that they're going to get up for, play their best, be, them be-, be their best selves, 
and early in the season, that's when teams are at their healthiest and at their freshest. And the, the problems that you see from power five to group of five, from group of five to top FCS, from the thing that you see is depth, which you're not going to have a problem with early in the season, which I understand that point. But for me, I it's when you look at where games are won and lost, you and I are both big guys. They're one lost in the trenches. That's that's where this thing right. happens at. That's where the magic happens. And the reality is I, I don't see how an NC State team that's returning uh, all four of their five offensive line starters, as well as uh, I believe they're returning all of their defensive line starters except uh, Daniel Joseph. Uh, am I? Okay. So, I think you're right there. Yeah, yeah and they're, they're returning some guys who, are, who have played a lot, uh, who I've heard good things about coming out of camp. I think that the big boys make the difference here. I believe that when the big guys get rolling, it's going to be tough for ECU to keep up. And, you know, I agree. I do think that this game is not going to be a, oh, yeah, this is over by halftime. You know, you can go ahead and turn it on, turn on something else. And, and this, this, this one will be 28 to zip or 35 zip at half. And, and we're going to be coasting and putting in backups. But I just, I don't understand the the thought of like this is a, a a game that should scare folks again i've said this before i'll say it again i'm much more worried about the texas tech game than i am about this one uh because the weakness of this nc state defense last year was our outside corners and you know what texas tech gonna do when the red raiders come to town they're gonna air that ball out they're gonna find a way to get some one-on-one matchups that they like and they're gonna take some shots so that that to me is is the game to be more worrying but I mean, this is – you're right. ECU does have this, like, rivalry with NC State and, like, every sport, every time that we play each other, it's like, oh, yeah, we hate those guys. And it's like, why? We don't we don't hate you. Y'all are cool. You know, we Halloween over there is great. It's a great time. So, <laughs> you know. Um, but with that being said, if you had to give me a prediction for what that game would be in terms of score, what would you say right now? I'll say, like – Maybe NC State wins it like thirty-five to seventeen. So then, like I said, maybe maybe pulls away with a couple scores late. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm a little low on the score for NC State. I don't know. I got to see. You know, this is going to be the first game um, for whether there's going to be a lot of new pieces on offense. You know, it's going to be the first game without Iki Kwanu at left tackle. I think Anthony Belton's got the inside track for that job. Uh, State returns virtually no production at running back from last year's team, you know, yep. number one receiver, Emeka Mezzi gone. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to take them a little bit to gel offensively. And we maybe see, um, so, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Some, just some kinks that have to be worked out there in that game. Um, but I do think that this NC state defense that returns, uh, like we just talked about so many stars. I mean, I think Daniel Joseph, is about the only person who played, you know, a, a pretty significant role on the defense last year who's not back. So I, I do think this will be a game for them to shine. You know, the thing that I find most interesting about the receiving core and the the passing game this year, losing a Mecca Mezzi is a blow because he was a big body, reliable receiver. He was Mr. Reliable. You throw him the ball, it didn't matter if it was contested. It didn't matter. He was going to make the catch. However, this wide receiving core as it's assembled now has 
one thing that last year's didn't in spades. And that, my friend, is speed. These guys are absolute burners. And I mean, I've, I know that this is like Groundhog's Day. I know you've heard me say this before, Snoopy, but I'm going to say it again. I believe that Devin Carter has his breakout year this year. I know I say it every year. I say it every year. I've been saying it for the past two, three, that this is his year. But honestly, I think this is it. I think this is it. We, When you look at Devin Carter and what he is and what he does, he is so good at everything besides making the mundane play. That's that's literally yeah. the only piece of his game that's missing. There's some inconsistency there. Like, you know, obviously you had the drop against Miami that probably cost NC State uh, the win in that game. But look at – I mean, look at Emeka Amezi. He had a he had some issues with drops his first couple years playing full-time in this NC State offense. And then, the you know, his last two years, it basically doesn't drop anything. Yep. So, you know, it, it's not yep. out of the question that you could see a similar kind of progression from Devin Carter. So, no, I, I think you're right. I think – He's a guy that could have a big year for this receiving core. And the other guy, um, I mean, you, you know I'm a Porter Rooks guy. I think his speed paired with Devin Leary's arm, I think, you know, with Amezi gone, he's probably the favorite to step in as one of those top three receivers with Devin and Thayer Thomas. I think this could be mm-hmm. his breakout year too. Absolutely. And, and, and then when you look at Thayer Thomas, Thayer Thomas is a guy that he is a baller in ways that, for whatever reason, people like to use the term sneaky athletic when describing Thayer Thomas. The boy's just athletic. He can fly. We saw it in the Boston College game last year. We saw multiple times last year where he got behind defenses, and that's, that is a part of his game. Yes, he does have reliable hands. Yes, he does do uh, the excellent knowing of when to sit down in zones and all that good stuff. But he can fly too, and we haven't even talked about Anthony Smith, who is a walking big play. He, with every time he steps on that field – regardless of what he was doing, whether he was on special teams or offense, whenever Anthony Smith was on the field, it was hard to not watch him. It was hard to not notice him. And like you said, we're all Porter Rooks guys. We're all, all of Wolfpack Nation are Porter Rooks folks. We are all believing because last year, one thing that you saw out of Porter Rooks a lot, he was always open up the seam, it seemed like. It didn't matter what the coverage was. At some point in time, you were you were sitting there screaming at your TV saying, he's open, he's, he's there, it's there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that this, this receiving core will look different. It'll look different, but I don't know if different necessarily means worse. And, and this kind of trickles over into what we're going to talk about next because the women's basketball team is kind of undergoing a similar thing where they're going to look very different than they looked last year. I don't know if they're going to look a lot worse. I don't know about it. Stay with, stay tuned with us, folks. We'll touch more on that in just a second. But before we do, I've got to talk to you all about driving sober. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make a home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds of you getting pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you end up with somebody having uh, slow singing and flower bringing at a funeral. Everybody knows the risk of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel when they're under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on the road to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, plan ahead to get a ride, 
It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. So, Snitty, in talking about the women's basketball team, Jada Boyd officially announced that she was coming back. And um, I, I talked a lot about how this team is having an influx of transfer talent. And they're going to look different, obviously, losing Alyssa Kunane, who was all world, um, losing Kayla Jones and Kai Crutchfield, who've been in the program forever and a day and just got better and better and better each year, losing Raina Perez, who was the floor general. She, when she was on the when she was on the court, you knew that the play was gonna go exactly how it was supposed to go. She was gonna read through the options that she was supposed to make, she was gonna make the right pass, she was gonna shoot when she was supposed to, and everything was gonna go copacetic there. And so, you know, when you thought about losing Jada Boyd, there was five of your top eight players in terms of minutes played last year out of the door. She announced that she's coming back. What do you think the impact of that is on this team? Oh, I think it's an absolutely massive impact. I mean, that that's your starter at that four spot that, um, you know, was mostly occupied by Kayla Jones over the last few years with Jada coming off the bench and being really efficient, really productive off the bench. I mean, there'd be a lot of games where you'd look and she'd have, you know, 10 points, eight rebounds, something like that in like 18 minutes. I mean, we've all seen how talented she is. She's had a couple, I think it was her freshman year, one of the games that NC State won on the way to that first ACC championship under Westmore. She had a really big game. So I'm really excited to see what she can do this year as a full-time starter. And yeah, it was going to be a big void in that, in that lineup if you lost both her and Kayla Jones. Um, and now – you know, she comes back, she can play at your four. So you're probably looking at a starting five of Diamond Johnson at the point guard spot, who played another player who played really well off the bench for NC State last year. More of a scorer and shooter than a pure distributor like Reina Perez was. But, you know, we, we've all seen she's a really good shooter. Uh, Sanaya Rivers at the two, transfer in from South Carolina, who was a highly highly touted recruit in her class i think that's a really big get for nc state uh, another player who's you know i think the two main that are you know going to be players that have been in the program a lot kind of relied on as the leaders of this team is going to be jada and then jakia brown turner at that three spot who we've seen as someone who can kind of do a little bit of everything for nc state and then that five spot uh obviously is where you're dealing with the biggest loss in Elisa Kunane. You're going to have to look at, um, you know, who can do what there. I'm sure Camille Hobby, who's been, you know, pretty good off the bench for NC State, is going to see plenty of playing time. Um, so I, th I think you're right that it'll look a lot different. I think, you know, a lot of the offense that you saw from this team in the past was kind of predicated on getting the ball inside to Elisa Kunane. And either she's got a one-on-one -on -one and she's just going to take it or they're going to collapse on her and you're going to kick it out for an open three. No disrespect to Camille Hobby, teams simply are not going to collapse on her the way they did on Elisa Cunade. So you're, you're going to have to do some different things. I think NC State obviously has the right coach to figure out how to best maximize the pieces he has. And I think one of the biggest differences, because I think you can feel pretty good about that starting five that I just named. But the difference right. is, like, last year and in years past, you'd have, like, players like a Diamond Johnson or a Jada Boyd coming off the bench. So I think there's probably a little bit less depth than what you had last year. 
But mm-hmm. I, I do think you're right that it's going to look different, but NC State should still be able to field a very competitive team. And I think ultimately Jada Boyd coming back puts NC State in position to be right there fighting with probably Louisville, UNC, and Notre Dame for a fourth straight ACC championship. You know, I, I think that there's something super interesting about when we look at Jada Boyd and, and like you talked about, her efficiency at a level that like it needs to be discussed, okay? So Jada Boyd was averaging um, 7.6 points, 4.4 rebounds in 16 minutes per game, okay? The reality of what we're looking at here is if you parse that out over 30 minutes, right? Like you're not even saying she's playing the full game. You're just saying she's playing twice the amount she was before. You're looking at uh, about 15 and nine. Like that is, and the thing is, you ask yourself, you know, when people step up into those roles, sometimes people do go production for production, what they did in their previous role. They, they can still do that in those stretches. But even if you get 75% of that, that is very similar to the production of Alyssa Quinane. That's that's the reality. And if you watch how teams treated Jada when she was in the game, she drew a good amount of double teams as well. So you, you look at a situation where you could have um, teams having to collapse and double down. But I think that next year's team will be one where, I mean, you already spoke about it to an extent. Jakia Brown-Turner, to me, is, is going to be a big key of this uh, thing going the way that it's supposed to. Her ability to step up and be her every night. Like before, she could kind of have nights where it was like, "Mm, you know, not not as much, not as much on the offensive end, not as much contributing in certain ways. And it was okay because you had Raina who was doing it or Alyssa who was doing it or Kayla who was doing it. They aren't there anymore. You have to be the one who is, you have, every night is your night and Isaiah James gets to have the night here and there. You got to have your night every night and, um, and uh, you know, Mimi Collins has um, some good games here and there. But you've got to show up. You've got to show up. And the last thing that I think is going to be vital to this team, you talked about Diamond Johnson as a, a scorer and a shooter. And, and the interesting thing about Raina Perez that a lot of people don't realize is she was averaging between like 18 and 20 at all of her last stops before NC State. And when she got to NC State, there was a change in mindset. There was a change in play style from being what Diamond Johnson is and like this, the point guard that is the shot creator, the point guard that is um, the the catch and shoot threat, the point guard that is all of the things scoring to all things playmaking. And she did so well. And so can Diamond Johnson make that transition is going to be a massive part of whether or not this team does well. Now, do you think that Diamond can do it? Do you think that she can have that switch flip a little bit from I've got to score to I've got to make sure that everybody is where they need to be. I've got to make sure that I'm making the right pass. I've got to temper my scoring expectations for the greater good of the team. Do you think that she has it in her? Honestly, don't know. I mean, you know, that's not really a role that we've seen her play. I think she's a talented player. I think she certainly could. Again, though, I I think this is going to be – with this being a little bit of a different-looking offense this year, I think she certainly is going to need to do some of that. But I also think it's going to be okay, too, if you have more of that scoring and creating shots mentality from the point guard position. Because I think one thing that this NC State team has lacked in recent years is a player who can create their own shot. Um, 
And Diamond, you know, I think we saw that from her. So having that on the floor a little bit more off uh, interesting is going to be, or more often is going to be interesting to see what kind of a different dynamic that adds to this NC State offense. Absolutely. And we know that Westmore, if there is any coach that, that we trust out of all of NC State's coaches, it is hard to say that we would trust any coach more to make the best out of what he has better than Westmore. He's not a guy who says, this is my system. And, you know, if we don't have players to fit this system, then we're, we're screwed. We're That's it. He instead says, these are the players that I've got. Okay, let me design a system that works best for them. Because in just the past, you know, if we look back at when um, Alyssa and Kayla and and um, Kai were young and, and Reyna Perez wasn't here, that team was composed very differently and played very differently than what they did later in their careers where things had developed and the team had developed differently around them. So if there is a coach that we trust to, to put together what needs to be done in order for this team to have its players in the best position to win, in West we trust, right? Like it, it, that's the – West is more, as they would say. <laughs> Take that to the bank and, you know, go ahead and cash it in. But anywho, yeah, I, I think that this team is going to be just fine. I honestly don't see them finishing outside the top three in the ACC. What say you? Yeah, I think top three in the ACC is right. Like I said, I think the ACC is going to be tougher, more competitive at the top this year than it has been in recent years. Like I said, mm-hmm. you know Louisville is going to be there year in, right. year out. They're they're going to be there. Jeff Walls is, you know, like we just talked about with Westmore, Jeff Walls is a phenomenal basketball coach. He's going to have them there. Um, I think UNC going into this uh, third year under Courtney Banghart. Now, you know, no matter what she likes to say on her podcast, I think she's got a uh, a pretty good group going there. I think, you know, we saw Notre Dame, a team that NC State had a lot of trouble with in that Sweet 16 game last year. I think they're going to be there again. They're going to have a, a very good team. But, yeah, I could see NC State finishing in that top three. Maybe, I, I, again, I think – it's essentially going to be a four horse race in the ACC this year with NC state, Louisville, Notre Dame, and UNC. And I think that Jada Boyd coming back is critical to NC state being able to be a part of that group and fight for that fourth straight ACC title. For sure. For sure. I, I, this is, this season is going to be a a really, really interesting one. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, if this team wins another ACC championship, go ahead and book Westmore for another coach of the year. Go ahead and just go ahead and throw that on on the mantle. And uh, I don't I don't think that anybody else would would come too close to getting it if he did. We're about to wrap this thing up, but give me just a second as we get a word from our sponsors. So we're we're talking about the most highly touted group on this NC State football team. We're talking about the linebackers, the guys that, you know, it's 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 like they're the Avengers or something, and each one of them brings <laughs> something different, something special, but something that's them, something that is extremely them. When you look at those, when you look at the linebackers, I think the first question is, how good do you believe they are? Well, I think if they're healthy, I mean, that which is the key, you know, Peyton Wilson – has had a lot of trouble staying on the field in his career. Isaiah Moore is coming off a major injury. But if they're healthy, you're looking at – remember going into last year, we thought, okay, look at this. NC State's got this 
Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, Drake Thomas group. And we never really got that last year because Peyton Wilson got hurt in the second game of the year against right. uh, Mississippi State was out for the year. Isaiah Moore got hurt against Miami was out for the year. But it was like they, they just shuffled through between like, okay, Peyton's out. Isaiah is the guy now. He's having an awesome season. Oh, Isaiah's out. Okay, Drake's the guy now. And Drake had a phenomenal, you know, full season in the middle of that defense. So I think if you can keep them healthy to have all three of those guys on the field at the same time, I mean, we've all seen all the rankings floating around, but I think it, it is. I mean, I think it's one of the best linebacking units in the country. I mean, I think I've seen at least one that had NC State second to only um, Alabama in terms of linebackers. But, I mean, you look at what all three of those guys can do, and I think the fact that all three of them had to kind of be that main guy at different points last year makes them better as they play together. I mean, they're all very versatile. Um, You know, Isaiah Moore, really good as kind of being like the captain of that defense. You know, he's good in coverage. He's good against the run. Drake Thomas is a really good – I mean, he's good in coverage and against the run too, but really good at – rushing the quarterback, blitzes, you know, getting after there, getting pressure. Just and ridiculous. Peyton, that blitzing. Crazy, crazy how good he is at blitzing. And then Peyton, when he's healthy, he is a ball-seeking missile. I mean, <laughs> he, is, he is going he, – he gets into the backfield, he's just going to blow that play up. And he can do – I mean, go back to 2020 when he – I mean, he was still playing through some injuries that year, but he had a season that I think a lot of people thought he should have been the ACC player of the year that year. So if you can get – and now, granted, he, he's had a lot of health issues. There are concerns there. But if you can get, like, a 75% season of Peyton Wilson, that's a big boost to what was already a really, really, really good defense last year. So I think um, when you look at this linebacking group, if they can stay healthy, the possibilities – I mean, again, like I just said, of what we haven't seen of those three that are so good on the field together, if we do – the sky's the limit. Ceiling is the roof. You know, you know, whatever you want to say. They, uh, there's a lot that they could do. We are not the ceiling is the roof people here. Okay, we are not. The, no, but seriously, I and and you touched on this a little bit, and I want to delve a little further into it. You talked about the fact that guys who getting hurt and all that kind of benefited the team in certain ways because, um, you know, the next man had to step up. Next man had to step up. Some of the guys that we haven't mentioned or haven't heard a lot talked about. Devin Betty got better and better and better with the more reps he took. You could see that when he originally was thrust into playing a lot of snaps, mentally he was kind of swimming out there. It, it was not – originally it, he didn't look good in stepping into that role, but as time went on, more and more and more, you saw him get more comfortable. You saw him get more relaxed. You saw him do more of, of pretty much everything um, at that – I want to say he was the Will linebacker, either Will or Mike – it it was a situation where he just got better and better and better. And so are there any depth pieces that you're expecting to, you know, even if health doesn't hold, you you're you say, I feel comfortable with this guy stepping in. Like obviously, you don't replace Peyton Wilson one for one. You don't replace Isaiah Moore, Drake Thomas one for one, but I feel good about this guy stepping in. Yeah, you mentioned one of them and Devon Betty. And one thing I do want to touch on real quick, as I said earlier that Daniel Joseph was really the only guy who played a significant role on the defense last year who was leaving. That's not true because Vi Jones also left and he had a apologies to Vi Jones because he had a phenomenal season and was a huge part of the Cincy state defense and the season that it had um, after Peyton and Isaiah got hurt. But you mentioned Devon Betty, Um, Jalen Scott 
is another guy that I think has played some pretty good football in that rotational role and had to step up more, especially at the point when Peyton and Isaiah were both out last year. Two guys we haven't really seen much from that I'm interested to see if they get a little more playing time in a rotational role or if some injuries do crop up this year. And let's, I mean, let's be honest, it's a full um, college football season. You're out there hitting, thumping, you know, guys are going to have to come off the field. Caden Ford and Jordan Poole, uh, both true freshmen last year, really uh, highly touted recruits, big kind of two of the bigger names in NC State's 2021 football recruiting class. So I'm interested to see a little bit more from them this year, especially because you look at, you assume that Peyton, Isaiah, and Drake are all probably going to be gone after this year. So those are two guys that are probably going to have to step up and be your starting linebackers next season. So, you know, do they get a little bit more playing time, a little bit more experience and a chance to, you know, maybe flash a little bit of that ability that made them such coveted recruits for NC state. Jordan Poole is built like a Greek God. I saw that (laughs) young man uh, and I saw him warming up in pregame one time and he had like a little, either his shirt was rolled up or he had on a half shirt. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, there are eight packs that I can see sticking (laughs) out from under the, this is too much. They didn't linebackers didn't look like that when I played, this is just ridiculous. (laughs) But no, seriously, uh, he's a guy that I've heard about, has all the physical tools. The The questions for him is the neck up. Do, how do you handle uh, the game from the neck up and, and all that good stuff? But that's a similar thing to what we saw with uh, with Peyton Wilson early in his career. We saw him. Now, granted, we saw Peyton Wilson still have an immense amount of production, but we saw a lot of him kind of being in the wrong space, the wrong position, but his, his talent helped him overcome it. So – as these guys get older, as they get more reps, as they see more things, and as, of course, I don't think that any of these coaches are planning to not be here in the immediate future. So you're right. There has to be a plan for, okay, these guys, we're probably losing the entire quarters uh, next year. Who Who's next in line? Who are the guys that are going to hold us over so that we don't go into a full rebuild? We do our best to go into a reload type of situation. I, I think that that's, that's going to be vitally important um to see there and and you're absolutely right about Vi Jones as well I I say this all the time he pretty much defeated Louisville by himself via being the guy who was set to be the spy on Malik Cunningham the entire game and he did so extremely well if you look at the numbers that Malik Cunningham put up on the ground against virtually every other team as opposed to what he did against NC State and you watched the film from that game you saw Vi Jones he was all over that man like white on rice he was all over that man like flies on honey. I mean, you, wherever Malik Cunningham went, he went with him. I'm pretty sure if, if Malik Cunningham went to the bathroom in the middle of the game, Vi Jones was going to shake for him, all right? That's just the, the reality of what we saw there. So, um, he's, you know, it, it's a, it's a, Vi Jones is definitely a loss as well, but we're going to see who who steps into that role, that kind of hybrid uh, end man on the line of scrimmage, kind of be the athlete. And luckily, Malik Cunningham is the only super athletic quarterback that that um, NC State is going to have to keep track of this year. So we'll see how that goes as well. Uh, but thank you so much for coming out, Snitty. You, you got to tell the folks where to find your work, man. You can find me on Twitter at ashnit 53 It's right there on your screen. If you're listening to this podcast, that's at A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. You can find all my work covering um, – Mostly Wilson High School and um, 
Barton College teams, but some coverage, too, of the ACC teams and ECU at the Wilson Times on our website, wilsontimes.com. Recently went through a uh, website redesign. Looks really good, so come check out my stuff there. Schnitty is the only host that refuses to let me take him out for lunch or dinner or something in order to compensate him for this because, you know, the the, the folks who come on here do it for the love of the game, I promise you. They're not getting paid, and I, I want to give them something for their time and their expertise because, again, it is immensely valuable to have you. Wolfpack Nation appreciates it as well. And Wolfpack Nation, I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for coming out. Y'all make this show what it is every single time. Peace and love, y'all, and as always, go Pack. You are locked on Wolfpack. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.